Generations Church, welcome back to church online. If you're joining us from home, welcome. We're glad you're here. We are in our second week of Advent. If you're unfamiliar with that, Advent is this anticipation of Christ to come in Christmas as we ground ourselves in the story of Jesus entering into human flesh. We call that season Advent as it leads up to our Christmas Eve service. If you would, as we do each week, we stand. Even if we're at home, we stand up and we just, we kind of recognize it's God's word that has authority over us. I want to read to you a passage out of Matthew. We'll be in Luke chapter 1 today, but this passage in Matthew tells a a parallel story, a a parallel passage to what we're looking at today. So if you're standing with me, we, we just, as we read this, we recognize God's authority, God's word. It says this, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together and she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for for that which she has conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit." She will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, meaning Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Will you pray with me? God, as we gather this morning, as we meet both outside and online, as we get together as a church, we ask that you would speak to us no matter where we are, whether we're here at home, whether we live locally or at distance, God, that you would be with us. Will you teach us this morning? Jesus, will you reveal yourself to us this morning? As we prepare ourselves for Christmas in our our hearts, in our minds, in our spirits, I know this is an unusual Christmas but I pray that you would speak deeply to us today. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you're a note taker or want to follow along inside our app, we have the notes, and here's the main idea for today. We're in a series called Advent, of course, like I said, and this one is on love. We can feel dark and alone when things are not going our way. However, God's love shines through the brightest when we see his plans accomplished in us. As we look at this Christmas, if I'm really honest, as we anticipate, and and anticipate gives me that sense of I'm looking forward to Christmas. When I say that word, if I'm really, really honest with you, my brain goes all the way back to Easter as coronavirus was at its beginning, and Easter was very unlike any other Easter I've ever been a part of in the church. And so when I think about Christmas, I, I think about how unlike Christmas this is right now with the COVID restrictions and the things going on. And so as I say I'm anticipating Christ, I have to pause and ask, am I really anticipating Christ to come? Am I really looking forward to? It's that kind of place I want to talk about this message today. It's in Luke chapter 1. Let's start in verse 25. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name 
was Mary. This is what we'll call today the 60,000 foot view. This is this big picture kind of getting us started. The passage we just read out of Matthew where Joseph has this encounter with an angel that the things that we're about to read, they've already taken place and now Joseph is dealing with them. So we're going back and, and Luke is telling us now this is what's going on. God had sent an angel to go speak to Mary to tell her God's plans for her. And so how we see this story oftentimes is we see 2,000 years later, we see this beautiful narrative about Christ becoming flesh. Imagine though, imagine you're Mary. Imagine it's 2,000 years ago and the story has not yet played out. Imagine you're this young girl and, and best, best understanding of who Mary is is she's between 14, 15, and 16 years old when this news is given to her. She's probably closer to the younger end, and she is betrothed to a man named Joseph, an adult man. She's promised or committed, kind of like our modern-day engaged, if you will. But she is preparing for marriage, but not married yet. And this news is going to come to her today. And her life is going to be forever changed. But again, we think about it 2,000 years later, knowing the story. She doesn't know the story yet. And so her situation, her life, her her understanding of things are going to be shaped by her circumstances. So verse 28 says this, and he came to her, meaning the angel, he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. So when angel speaks to you, that doesn't happen every day, right? She's a, a young woman and, and this, this angel comes and he speaks to her and he says, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And we're going to talk about that word favored in just a minute. But the Lord is with you. Just imagine again, I want you to imagine you're this young teenage girl, right? And you're, you're hearing this in, first, an angel speaking to you. That's enough to catch your attention. But the Lord is with you. Oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. It's, it's amazing and, and it's, it's, at, it's outside of our understanding and it's never happened to Mary before. It's, and so here's this experience. Here's this, this new thing. And, and Mary is confused and Mary's in this moment. And this is going to go from confusion to, to scary pretty quick. Gabriel says, the Lord is with you. What an incredible statement to say to this young girl. Verse 29, it says, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Again, we read this with 2,000 years of history, a complete story we know about Jesus' birth, his life, his death, his resurrection. We know about his ascension, his promises, his teachings, his ministry, the gospel. We know who Jesus is. Mary doesn't. She's just a young girl, and an angel arrives and disturbs, kind of disrupts her whole life. And in this moment, he, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And she is visibly shaken by this. And, and we would be too. We, all of a sudden, this is happening. Verse 30, and it says, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Don't be afraid, Mary. And that's an interesting thing. Modern day Christians or humans, people, well, if I had a chance to meet God, I'd do this, or I'd say this, or I want to ask this question, or if I could just do this. And we say that, and we, we do have questions, and we want to ask things, we want to know things, but Every time someone in Scripture even sees an angel, the response is fear, anxiety. And imagine you're this person, right? And so here's this. She's, she's encountering this. And there's these words of comfort. Always as God begins to speak to people or angels in this setting, 
They kind of come with that. No, don't be afraid because of this experience. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, that's the second time. So verse 28, O favored one. Verse 30, you have found favor with God. This word favor is really unique. When we hear it, we don't think the same thing as, as the way it's written. It's actually the word for grace. You have found grace. O one who has been graced by God, you have found grace with God. I want to back up because that sounds so good. Oh, favored one, you found favor with God. Oh, you've been given grace. Well, that, that sounds really cool, except let me just give you a couple examples where this language is used in other parts of the Bible. I'll just give you two quick ones. Genesis 6, 8, it says, but Noah found favor with the Lord. So here's what happens. Noah lives in this wicked generation. He is also sinful and God shows grace to Noah. Now, that's really cool, right? Like, kind of like Mary, like, oh, favored one, you've found favor with the Lord. But just understand this in the context of Noah. God's going to destroy the earth, and Noah has to build a boat. Oh, so grace. God is giving you grace, but grace means that there is something else that's about to take place. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. But the rest of the world has something else, right? Here's another one, Exodus 3. And I will give this, this is God in Exodus speaking to Moses. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you will not go empty. We just studied this book. And God is telling Moses, listen, the Israelite slaves, I'm going to show them favor. And when they leave, they won't leave empty-handed. Now that's chapter 3. And I don't remember if it's chapter 10, 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there where they're leaving Egypt. But in the middle of that, their slavery gets worse. Then these 10 plagues come upon Egypt. And finally, by the time they get to leave, by the time this favor is actually a good thing, what's happened is God has taken the firstborn out of every family in all the land of Egypt except Israel's. So you have found favor in the eyes of the Lord isn't just this great blessing, nice statement. It's not like, hi, everything's really good. God is showing you grace, but there's about to be something major that takes place with it. Now, it's not a flood. It's not a liberation from slavery. Jesus is coming into this story. But grace, this you have found favor, is normally this moment that is incredibly challenging. So let's read verse 30 again. It says, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So here's the key to that. Grace only comes when the circumstances require God's intervening, right? Grace came to Noah when God was wiping out the rest of the earth. Grace came to Israel and to Moses when God was going to plague Egypt. Grace is coming to Mary because God is going to come in and rescue and redeem a people. But through this child will also come a crucifixion. Jesus will grow up to be crucified, to die for the sins of you and me and all who will follow. So this grace moment is very powerful and it's very good, but it comes with God intervening into human history. Here's a note for you, how God shows favor. We all want to be Mary or Joseph 2,000 years later when the story is told, but we don't want to necessarily be the pregnant girl who can't explain it or her boyfriend. God's ways, meaning his grace, doesn't always come how we want it to. Let's just kind of connect that to our modern day life, to today. 
Grace is what we need. Grace is what God shows us. But that doesn't mean that the virus is all gone. That doesn't mean that church is the way we would want it to be. That doesn't mean the way schools or homes or businesses or economy or politics or anything is the way we want it to be. But it means that God is showing us grace. Can we find God's activity? Can we see God's love in our life even when the circumstances are not the way we would have them to be? See, when, like we said in the beginning, like God's love shines the brightest when his will is being accomplished through it, us. But that doesn't always mean it looks the way we want it to look right now. Again, go back, be Mary, 13, 14, probably 14, 15, 16 years old. Hey, by the way, you're going to be pregnant now, a miraculous one. I know you're engaged, not his, this. And try and live in that moment. That's like us today, modern day, coronavirus. Like trying to live through this moment, even though God is loving us, showing us grace. Verse 31 says this, And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and you will bear a son, and you will call his name Jesus. Now, if you're Mary, you're just like, whoa, what? Right? Like first, okay, so we got this angel. You found favor. That hasn't gone super smooth for everybody in the past, but this sounds like a good moment. Don't be afraid, Mary. It's good. God is with you. Here it is. And by the way, you're getting pregnant, right? Wait a minute. Again, imagine you're Mary. Imagine you're in this setting. You're pregnant, huh? What? Like, what do you mean? Like, how? And then you've got to add to the story that Mary's never been with a man. Well, I don't understand this, Mary's thinking. Her whole life, imagine she's a young teenage girl. Her whole life is getting upended right now. All her plans for today and tomorrow and the next day, they're all different. They're all being changed right now by God. Yes, God's favor. Yes, God's grace. But they're all very different than Mary had them planned out. Verse 32. So Gabriel doesn't stop here. The angel doesn't stop here. Here's what he says. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So first off, Mary can't possibly comprehend all the things Gabriel's saying to her. There's this messianic, prophetic, future-looking, I mean, like the fulfillment of all the promises of God coming together in a child. And she's just a young girl. She's a child, right? And then there's all this taking place. She can't possibly grasp all this. He's the son of the most high God. He's going to inherit the throne of his father, David, the greatest king who ruled Israel. He's going to reign over Israel forever. Right now, Israel is like subjected to Rome. They're not even their full, a full kingdom right now. And it says he has a kingdom that will have no end. There's going to be some eternal kingdom attached to her child. Imagine just her head is just swimming with all this stuff. Just imagine all this that she's taking in right now. And, and all that is just kind of going over and it's just too much for her right now. I want you to imagine that. And then you can kind of feel like, okay, that's sometimes how today feels. If you're a note taker, here it is. This, this season of life, we want to understand the world we live in and how God is engaged in it. Mary's an example of not understanding everything, but trusting that God is good. We're going to see Mary's reaction. We're going to see her words, her life. We get to read the story and understand that even this young girl can place her trust in God and that God can use her and God can show grace to her, meaning God is going to intervene, intervene into human history in amazing and incredible and challenging ways 
But by faith, Mary can live this out. Verse 34, and Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? That's a legitimate question. She's not necessarily even doubting. Like, okay, so how? Like, um, I don't get it, right? Like that, she's just asking the honest, serious question, well, how? Verse 35, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Can you just imagine even asking, like, well, how would this be? And the answer is the Holy Spirit will do this. The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. Can you even imagine, maybe that, like, maybe that didn't even answer the question. You're like, how is this going to happen? Well, it's a miracle. You're like, what do I do with that, Right? Sometimes that's how we live, that's how we, that's how we walk through our day, through life. We're, we're asking God, and even sometimes when we get answers, sometimes they're just kind of flying by, and we don't understand everything that's going on. I clearly don't understand everything that's going on right now, and, and pastoring a church through coronavirus and living a life through coronavirus, I don't understand all that God is doing. I know God is engaged. I know God is doing. I know God is good. I know God loves us. I know God is active. Do I get all that's going on? No. And I think as these restrictions come and go and they kind of ramp up and then they go away and then they ramp up again, and I think we're left in confusion. And, and it, it helps me to look at the people in Scripture, real people, real people living real lives with real challenges and questions and watching them remain faithful even when the answers God gives don't always make great sense. So the Holy Spirit's going to make you pregnant. You're not going to be with a guy okay, right? I'm not sure that answers all the questions, but Mary's hearing, okay, God's going to do something miraculous. God is going to intervene. God's going to accomplish what God has said God will do. Verse 36, and behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is in the sixth month with her who was called barren, who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. So this answer actually makes more sense. So the Holy Spirit's going to do a miracle. Okay, I can accept that. I don't understand that necessarily. Well, how still didn't get answered? Because the question was, how can this be? I've never been with a man. The Holy Spirit's going to take care of that part. Well, I'm not sure that answered the question. And then the angel says, but here's the deal. Your old barren, past childbirthing age, so we're post-menopause, your, your aunt, who, your cousin, who can't have children, is pregnant now, six months pregnant. In other words, that God can do what God wants to do. Here's one miraculous child. Yours will be a miraculous child. This puts, literally, puts flesh on it for her. This gives her something she can see and look to and trust and understand a little bit. Even, even the miraculous, which is beyond our comprehension, she can say, okay, well, if that's true, then I guess then the, mirac the miraculous can happen with me. Verse 38, it says, And Mary said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord, and let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. What an amazingly faith-filled answer Mary gives. I am a servant of the Lord. I'm submitted to God. Like God's in charge, I'm not. Whatever God wants, I am submitted to that. But she goes a step further. She says, let it be to me according to your word. Let it take place then. Not only do I submit to God because I have to, because God is God and I'm not. It's like, you know, kind of can crush me if he wants to, but let it be then. I want what God wants for my life. 
What if we could pause and just say, okay, I don't like my circumstances. I don't understand our circumstances, but I want what God wants. And if this is what's taking place, this is what God has ordained right now. Let it be. Corona's restrictions are going to get worse. Let them be. Church is going to be online. Let it be. People are going to be able to gather outside in the winter. Let it be. If that's what God wants, I want to be a part of it. What if we shifted our hearts to, I want what God is doing, rather than I will submit because I kind of have to? The question here is, how much does God love us? And if we ask that question, we all have this answer. We know God loves us. How much does God love us? We're in this Advent season where we're talking about hope, right? We talked about hope last week. Pastor Paul did a great message on hope. Now we're looking at God's love. Where, where do we see God's love? Well, this story is about God's love, not just for Mary, but for you, for me. See, God loved the world so much that God is doing something right now in this young girl, and it is disrupting her whole life. She has tons of questions, but what God is doing is he's actually loving you. He's actually loving me because God created us and designed us and loves us, and God is our Father. He loves us deeply, but in our sin, we've been disconnected from God. And so God has promised to take care of that and reconnect us to God, to redeem us and restore us. And this famous passage, this verse that we all know, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So God's son will come. He will give his son. His son will live and die. He will give his son. His son will die. But in order to die, you have to live in order to live, you have to be born. And right now, that's taking place. The gospel is being initiated in humanity right now. God is taking Mary, this faithful young girl, and God is miraculously giving his child to her. He's giving that to her that she will birth this son of God into human history, that Jesus will live and live without sin, the, the thing that we have all failed to do. And he will live a life that glorifies God day in, day out, pointing to God, not only proclaiming God, but living with everything he does, living to glorify God. And then Jesus will be then sacrificed on our behalf. He will be hung on a cross. He will be crucified and died, that he will die for our sins. And then as he is buried in the ground and things look the bleakest and the darkest, then Jesus resurrects from the grave, giving us new life. Says the gospel message that we believe in what God has done for us, that we believe that we're sinful and in need of a savior, that we need something to reconcile us to God, to restore us to God, that it's not our own merit. I can't be good enough for God because I am sinful. I am broken. You are sinful. We all are. But because of that, God has come and give himself for us. And he did so out of love. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And so he loved us so much that he intervened right now in this moment with this girl. And, and he came in and disrupted entirely her whole life. And this is in that moment where everything's about to go wrong for her, not right. Yes, she's going to conceive miraculously a child inside of her that is the son of God. That's really good. But then Joseph, her husband's or fiance, is going to hear about it and want to divorce her. She's going to have to leave because people are going to want to kill her. She's going to bring a child into the world as a young girl. All of this is going to take place. She's going to watch him die on a cross. She is about to give life to someone who is going to be a challenge. It's not all going to be an easy road. 2,000 years later, we're going to look back and we see that cute nativity scene with a baby and a manger and animals. 
But that's because she had to birth it outside because nowhere to, because she had nowhere to do that. All this story is because God loves us, you, me, and Mary. But Mary's moment, Mary's season, Mary's time is being disrupted because God loves us. She can't see that right now. And right now in our lives, our disrupted lives, we can't always see it. But the love of God is here. If the love of God was there, we can trust that the love of God is here. So here's how the story plays out. One thing happens for Mary, one thing happens for Joseph, both to show God's engagement with them in that moment. So let's start with verse 39. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country, into a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. So the angel tells Mary, hey, your cousin Elizabeth, who's past childbearing age, has a miraculous pregnancy as well. To teach Mary, God does what God does, that God can do anything. So Mary goes to Elizabeth's house. So she takes off, she heads over to Zechariah and Elizabeth's house. Verse 21, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby, Elizabeth's baby, leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen to the power of that sentence. We don't have time to unpack that today. Mary comes into the house, the baby knows what's going on, and the Holy Spirit fills Elizabeth. It's amazing. Like God is in this moment. God is, is walking with Mary. Each step of the way, God is there, right? And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Verse 42, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Mary, blessed are you. You are bearing my Savior. You're bearing the child of God. Elizabeth like just pro proclaims like as the spirit fills Elizabeth, she just begins to almost like speak prophetic utterances about what's taking place for Mary. Like blessed are you and blessed is the fruit of your womb, your child, you have the child of God and you are honoring me when, by walking in my house with my savior. And as soon as, as soon as you came in, my child even knew it and blessed are you, Mary. See, Mary is a young girl who is encountering a pregnancy in a culture that will shun her, and she's not even married yet. And so this is taking place. So she leaves to go be with Elizabeth, but inside of that, God uses these circumstances. She's not at home right now, not by choice, not because she's vacationing. She's trying not to be shunned from her own community. And God meets with her, and God walks with her, and God encourages her, and God speaks to her, and God uses this miraculous cousin Elizabeth, who is, by the way, pregnant with John the Baptist, to encourage Mary every step of the way. God shows Mary another miracle to help her get and understand her miracle, and God speaks to her through her cousin to encourage her, to bring her along, to, to kind of keep her able to be walking through this process as she's going. Now remember the passage we began with earlier, because not only is Mary here, but Mary's engaged to a man named Joseph. And I just want you to put yourself in their setting for a minute. Imagine now you're Joseph. So you're not the young girl who just got found out that she's going to have a miraculous child, but then the road in front of her is going to be challenged. Now, now you're Joseph. Now you're her fiance. And here, this conversation isn't really recorded for us, but just imagine how this went. Mary tells Joseph, by the way, I'm pregnant, but 
I haven't been with anybody. How does that go? How, how does, is there any way that conversation goes good, goes well, right? This conversation takes place between Mary and Joseph, and we don't get it. We don't hear it. We don't read about it. Here's what we do get. Joseph doesn't believe her. Joseph doesn't believe, and would you? What do you mean you're pregnant and you haven't been with a man? That's impossible. You're lying. That's what happened. We don't get to read it. We don't have the words, but that's what takes place. How do we know? Because Joseph wants to, to break off this engagement. Matthew, here's the passage we began with. Matthew 1.18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Here's the opposite side of the story. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, before, and she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit, and her husband, Joseph, her fiance would be more appropriate, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame. So he's a good guy who doesn't want any part of her anymore, but he doesn't want to put her to shame, right? Resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph, I know this story is crazy. I get it. I wouldn't believe it either if I were you. I understand, but Joseph, it's true. She's not been with anybody. She didn't do anything wrong. In fact, God chose her to do something right, and she is going to endure the hardship of this. And Joseph, and now I'm, I'm kind of coming in and disrupting your life too. Joseph, you're going to endure hardship too. But all this hardship is because I love humanity enough to bring my son into this world. And Joseph, it's okay. You can stay with her. Will you be her husband even though she's pregnant with a child that is not yours, but it isn't another man's either? She will bear a son, it says, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did, listen to this, Mary looks at the angel and says, let it be. Whenever you're saying, yes, I'll do it. I'll be faithful. Let it happen to me. Here's what happened to Joseph. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Imagine you're that guy, and your fiance shows up with this story, and there's no way the story is true until God says it's true. And then God says, I want you to stay with her. I want you to be with her. I want you to raise this child. That's my son. I don't all the rest of it is hardship. I want you to think about this, especially you men. Imagine you've just been given the responsibility to raise God's son. Right? There's nowhere to hide from messing up being a bad dad to God's son, right? Mary is going to birth this child. Joseph is going to be there as his father, his human father, knowing it's not his genetic son, it is God's son, a savior of the world. We're living in the midst of a virus right now where the hardship we're enduring is wearing a mask and distancing from other people. And yeah, that has some economic impact. Maybe it affects our job. But it is temporary. And God is with us. And God remains speaking to us and encouraging us and loving us. And whether Christmas Eve or Christmas Day means we're at home alone with just our, our immediate family, or whether it means we're allowed to see other people, we're still waiting to hear what that's going to look like, right? No matter what it is, we can still anticipate, look forward to Christmas. 
Because this story is still true. Because no matter what happens with the virus, if we all get it, if no one gets it, if everybody gets it and dies, everybody gets it and lives, no matter what happens, because Jesus came, we can still look forward to Christmas. Because God's love shines through even when we don't understand it in our own lives. God's through shines through greatest when he uses us for his glory, like Mary, like Joseph, like you, like me. Because God's love is so great that God's son came into the world and God's son gave his life so that you and I can be sons and daughters of God himself. And that's the story of Christmas. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we love you. And I don't even know, I don't even know how we, even I love you doesn't make enough emphasis. And it'll never measure up to how much you love me us, or how much God loved us that he would give you, and how much Mary was faithful and said, let it be so, let it be done, let it happen, and how Joseph woke up from that dream and didn't think, hey, that was just a crazy dream, but said, that was God, and I will go be that man, and so this year, as we hear about your love for us, as we're reminded about your love for us, let us be that faithful woman. Let us be that faithful man in our hardship, in our circumstances, in these times we don't understand. Let us just embrace them knowing you are God, knowing you are God. Jesus, we love you. It's because of you that we're here. So it's in your name we pray. Amen.